okay, this is this is just straight up the Bible. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And this month, we have been kind of defining the genre that we're calling the contained genre. Movies that are about kind of one location and one place. But but Thomas, what have we talked about this month regarding this genre? Last week, we, we talked about Rear Window. And we talked about paranoia as a, as a major theme in, in a lot of these movies. And I, I think that's true it's definitely true today yeah <laughs> um but I, I think we're going to continue to see that even through like some comedies within this this genre like we said last week i'm sure all of us can relate to going a little bit crazy when you're stuck in one place but <laughs> almost all of these films have something to do with the, the the mental hold of being stuck in one place even if it's you know even if it's just for one night in miami you know the you you're you're watching or or who's afraid of virginia wolf that idea of being stuck in one place with the same people even just for a night can can drive you a little crazy so so i do think many of these films sometimes whether they intend to or not do touch on just the psychological toll of being in one building one room yeah. one singular location we yeah. definitely saw that rear window we're going to continue to see that today mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to see that for the rest of the month. Um, we also talked about just the the difficulties from a technical standpoint. How do you make a feature length film visually interesting when you can't really, you know, you can't cut to a new uh, space. You can't you can't change up the scenery that much. Uh, you are really stuck with your uh, singular set and, and a lot of times camera placement becomes a lot more important and mm-hmm. we're going to see we didn't see it quite as much last week but we're going to see it this week and later on in the month blocking becomes incredibly important and we've, we've talked about blocking a little bit on the show before but that is the idea of like one of the director's jobs that not a lot of people think about is where the actor is going to move where's the camera going to move and and how is this all going to work within the space it's it comes from theater it's obviously very important on a stage but it's equally important on film and sometimes it gets tossed aside as you know this idea of like oh we're just going to feel it out but especially in a lot of these films blocking is insanely important when you're just kind of in one room and the camera's moving around and all your actors are moving yeah i mean the the thing that comes to mind with that in terms of the camera aspect it's 12 angry men's the big one Mm -hmm. where that's I mean, a very contained movie of like it's not just a room but pretty small room with 12, yeah. 12 guys in there and Saint Lamette has to create a way to make it visually interesting uh, for the 90 to the two, two hours worth of film and his big thing is he kind of he, it, throughout the three acts or whatever or when the movie the kind of movie uh, evolves over time his camera angles change if it goes mm-hmm. from being lower to middle ground to, to looking down on the characters. It's he has to kind of showcase the changing of the uh, uh, changing of the tide, I guess, in the, in the movie with uh, with Henry Fonda's character kind of kind of convincing the rest of the the men. Um, but yeah, you have to take make it visually interesting, and sometimes you do something like Rear Window where it's like Hitchcock can make a kind of pure cinema in a way of, of kind of uh, action or, or, or reaction shots a lot of the time and the cool shot effect, 
cool shove effect and everything. Or then you have something like Rope, where it's like he's really trying to make it interesting, but in all one one take or one or uh, one shot, basically. I might look mm-hmm. that. Um, so you have a lot of that. Yeah, in terms of uh, and in terms of the paranoia thing, it's like yeah, it's like it could be as simple as, um, I mean, we'll talk about next week with Clerks, but like even how like that is a thing where you just get annoyed by working all day and becomes yeah. just like uh, a, a paranoid kind of day. Um, or it's, uh, uh, even ex machina in that way. And, yeah. and then a lot of times with these movies too, you have to kind of, when tackling a movie like this, you have to kind of figure out a way of why these characters can't leave the, the location they're in mm-hmm. is kind of the big thing. If it is, it's the court case in 12 angry men, if it's Jimmy Stewart's leg being broken in your window, or if it's alien and they're on a, they're on a spaceship in space or or something like that if it's dog 17 they're you're in a pow camp you have to have a reason of why these characters are stuck in this one place and can't just walk out the door yeah um and this one's interesting we'll talk about it because this one is like she can walk out the door in this movie but there's nowhere to go it's kind yeah. of the thing and she doesn't want to and she doesn't want to she doesn't want to um but yeah so thomas what is today's movie uh today's movie is mother uh, stylized as lowercase all lowercase with an exclamation point at the end very important and uh written and directed by darren aronofsky in 2017 mm-hmm. quick intro a woman played by jennifer lawrence and her writer husband played by javier bardem live in their dream house in secluded bliss in the countryside but when fans of his work turn into uninvited guests the woman's paradise will become her nightmare also features ed harris michelle pfeiffer donald gleason and Kristen wigg Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it was written and directed by Aronofsky. It was shot by Matthew Liebetik, Aronofsky's longtime DP. Also, this is my second month in a row of picking a Matthew Liebetik film. He <laughs> he shot uh, Inside Man last month. Oh yeah, he did. He did. I think we, the we, third we time done... we've talked about him on the show. Yeah, we've done Joseph the Pussycats, Pussycats as well. And I wonder if we've done anything. I don't know if we have done anything else with him yet. We we said, one, we'll do one, Stars, one day, Born, Stars one day. Born one day. Yeah, we'll do that one day. <laughs> And uh, very important production design for this film done by Philip Messina, who started out with Soderbergh. He did uh, Oceans 11 and 12, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, and The Good German, not to be forgotten, uh, before moving over and doing the entirety of the Hunger Games franchise. And then he did this one kind of fresh off of Hunger Games. So, Brandon, what are your what are your thoughts of mother what's your background with with mother mother okay so i don't know if you remember this but the first time i mean we had heard of mother because i mean you have to take an account like jennifer lawrence at this point i we're in a weird period of was there too much jennifer lawrence that was yeah kind of i don't think thing. we had quite hit that yet you know it, okay it was, we were on that we were on that we were on we that were point just though. coming off of hunger games and it was that yeah. period of oh she can do anything yeah and she did this yeah, and she did this, and, and and this might have been kind of that point where like, uh, I mean, she, Jennifer Lawrence was to go with this incredibly kind of smart with how she played this of like she kind of took a break. Like mm-hmm. it was after this in Red Sparrow, uh, she kind of took a break, and I know it was in Don't Look just and Don't Look Up, but like if like she went away for a little bit, didn't do as much after this movie and uh, Red Sparrow. Like she's in Dark Phoenix, but I don't she's not in Dark Phoenix that much. Uh, to my knowledge and i actually kind of forgot yeah that it was kind of the the, the triple hit of this uh red Sp- or red sparrow yeah yeah red sparrow yeah. and yeah. then joy her third david o russell collaboration being yeah. you know 
her first two were so well received and then the, the third one was just kind of flopped critically. and probably pass and probably throwing passengers in there too because yeah. passengers is right before this where that was going to be like that was always kind of a big moment of like oh it's Pr chris pratt and jennifer lawrence the two biggest star really at that point two two of the biggest stars uh in the world with an original sci-fi film and that was is completely forgotten mm. like six i'm sorry six years later i'm sorry to people who worked on that um but yeah it just kind of became forgotten um but no what i remember was me too the first time we kind of i mean i don't say saw but heard something uh you remember we see we saw dunkirk and they played the trailer for this that, that and was there the was, first the first trailer and there was, was no visuals or yeah. i don't know if it meant to be this way but it was no visuals and yeah. just audio mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like they messed this up because i don't think that was supposed to be that way where we were just like listed it was just the audio of it it was so mm. odd because <laughs> i know that trailer was released with the visuals of it so i don't know if that was a purpose thing or no. what no one knew how to take it was yeah. the thing i feel like uh, somebody that, like yelled out in the theater right they were like yeah. what was that <laughs> um yeah we'll talk about that later very interesting marketing campaign for this yeah. film and 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 that continues with the kind of like what is that i think that's a good thing to go with this entire movie for some people and to kind of be confused of how to take it um so yeah what, going into i think i think this was one i rented i didn't see um see in theaters i, I kind of came back because i think this is one again sometimes and that may shouldn't be this way is that i sometimes let audience reaction dictate if i should see something <laughs> a lot of the time quite the uh, reaction to this one and this was a very like very visceral reaction for some people and i was like oh i'll just i'll guess i'll just wait and i don't know how long it was in theaters was the thing too um and so i waited and, and i think they ran this from cinephile video shout out them and i enjoyed it the first time i saw it i think because I had already heard the discussions of everything about the movie mm -hmm. where I knew it was an allegory. I knew it was what was some of the things it was referencing. So when I came into it, I was like, Oh yeah, this is really good. Like he did everything that everyone's like talking about and maybe upset by it's like, I'm not saying it was, it's the full movie is funny, but I was in on the joke, I guess is kind yeah. of the way to describe it. I yeah. knew what he was going with was the thing. So mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, this was good um but i get why people were so not enjoying it because it is kind of a movie where if you take it literal <clears throat> and you take it at face value it's a very confusing and confounding piece yes is the thing but i think a lot of aronofsky's films are is the thing i think mm -hmm. to go into kind of him it's like aronofsky's guy where he hit it big in the early 2010s basically late 2000s early 2010s with that wrestler back black swan kind of package mm -hmm. where people saw him as like a mainstream director, I think weirdly for a period, mm -hmm. even though like his films are not what you consider mainstream. Like right. I think, I think wrestler and black swan are like Aronofsky's two like kind of like toned down stripped away yeah. movies. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point of the wrestler, right? Is he's like stripping everything yes, away to yes. just tell a bare bones story. Yeah. And then, and then black Swan, we'll talk about a little bit, the success of black Swan, but it, it managed to, to win horror fans over, which is, it which did. is hard to do. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, coming off of those two movies, everybody was like, oh, okay, this is a guy he can get actors. Actors want to work yeah. with him. Yeah. Maybe we can make some money off of him. Yeah. And then Noah happens. <laughs> You know, even when watching Black Swan, we re I think I rewatched it a few years ago, maybe, and like that's one where like it really is just kind of a straight paranoid thriller, basically. Mm -hmm. 
And looking back at it now, I was almost surprised it got so much awards acclaim mm. uh, because it was pretty, I think, straightforward. I mean, it's still Aronofsky, but it was still kind of straightforward, at, le- at least with Natalie Portman, like how she kind of won an Oscar off that because it's, it's somewhat like it's good. It's a good movie, but it's it's not the usual Oscar fair is the thing. Yeah. I think it's just because they went in the whole like she did her own dance and that's question a question later if she did um but that but it but that was a big hit that was a big yeah. hit and i think that kind of everyone's like oh yeah he's a mainstream guy but everyone kind of forgot about wrecking for a dream or the <laughs> the fountain and movies like that that are are, are not really mainstream mm-hmm. um so yeah i i do think this will probably be the most divisive film we've covered i believe i don't know if anything else we've covered is this not thank god it's friday no i was i actually thought about that <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe our most obscure movie we've discussed on here. Gotcha. Um, but no, this 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 feels like it could be the most divisive. But no. So what what's your thoughts on it coming into it? What's your history with it? So I saw it. I think the second week it was out. Uh, our friend Yuthana saw it the first weekend, and came to me and was like, "You, this movie will <laughs> strike a chord with you because." it is if you if you take all the allegory aside it is a horror movie about uninvited guests <laughs> which is something i i take very personally yeah and so the first time i saw it that's kind of what i i went into it for that was kind of the only thing you thought it was like that's yeah. the only thing i'll warn you about is like it's it's a psychological horror about what happens when people come over that you don't want to be there and and i think it absolutely functions on that level you know yeah. there's the the, yeah. the sink the, the that's that's always what i think about that and we, we'll, we can talk about that in favorite scenes but uh you know the that sink's not braced please <laughs> and just javier bardem just always kind of dismissing her it, that 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 part rings true to someone who has nightmares <laughs> about hosting people um and and when i came out of it I, I i very much enjoyed it like it was like you said it's just kind of it's just kind of batshit and yeah. I loved that, that that I was watching this like studio film that was just pure unadulterated Aronofsky with some of the biggest actors in the world. Um, but ultimately I came away with, cause when we walked out of it, you found, I kind of turned to me and was like, so did you get it? Did you get what it was about? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's about like the relationship between artist and muse and how an artist can like mm-hmm. use up a muse off for his own uh, purpose. And you thought I was like, no, that's not it. And so in the weeks after I kind of, you know, read the interviews with, with Aronofsky about it being, we'll go, we'll, we'll talk about this a lot in the production yeah. part. So I'll go ahead and spoil it for anyone about it being a biblical allegory. It, it's, it's yeah. ultimately about the relationship between God and mother earth yeah. and how God's pursuit of creating humanity and creating civilization in turn is through through global warming is in turn destroying mother earth who was his first love really yeah um, yeah you know if the and so i i read interviews with aronofsky about this i read these articles that were like breaking down all the imagery and i was like oh, okay that makes sense yeah. and then never revisited the movie until this week and it's <laughs> and and plugged it in and and my fiance watched it with me and i, I told her at the beginning because she was already confused at the beginning and so i was like this is what it's about and so the both of us watched it through that lens and it and it's a completely different experience because yeah. it he he hits it like he hits all the beats yeah. and I know some people who don't like this movie because it's so kind of on the nose with its allegory. I mean, he is telling you the book of Genesis basically. Yeah. And 
I, I I I really liked it on the second viewing, but but watched it a completely different way, which is totally yeah. which is completely interesting. I watched it more this time as a drama of kind of a tragedy of this woman, Mother Earth, seeing her her lover betray her, and and I think Lawrence absolutely kills it. Um, so yeah, it's 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 rare that I it's I, I'm I'm kind of taken aback by it because it's rare that you can have that completely different of an experience watching one movie and i think that shows yeah. you how much is kind of packed into this movie yeah and i say it could be viewed as the artist and the muse and it's 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 the thing is that's the thing with this movie is that there's so much to unpack and so much in there that you can go into it and looking at it, reading it in a different way yeah um, and i think part of the reason people who did respond so negatively do is because you know, you can watch a kind of experimental movie and get the feeling that someone is just throwing stuff out there and seeing yeah. what what sticks. Sometimes yeah. Lynch feels that way. You know, you're like, yeah. wow, he came up with some really interesting imagery, but I don't think he even knows what he's saying with this, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. even when you have no idea what Aronofsky's going for here, it feels so purposeful. And I think that's yeah. why some people got mad because you're watching yeah. it. And if you're not if you're not catching on to it, you're like, what is he knows what he's saying here and I can't figure <laughs> out what he's saying. And that makes me angry. Oh man. Yeah. But it, it's, it, yeah, there really is just so much to unpack. And so, yeah, I, I would almost say, like, is it better? To, I mean, if you're coming at this movie for the first time, we're going to spoil stuff, but like asking you, Thomas, like, is it better to know the allegory going in? I, or... I, so Emmy ultimately told me that she was, was happy. I had told her because yeah. she had a, a better appreciation for it seeing yeah. what he was going for and we'll talk about it when we talk about the marketing i mean that it was brought up to aronofsky like should we go ahead and tell people this and and yeah there, it was it was it was a pretty intense debate as to whether yeah. or not to do that yeah i mean it's a difficult decision because you, you want to like let the audience decide on your own but i almost wonder if you know a little bit about it it feels like you're not fighting the movie Mm -hmm. is kind yeah. of the thing i think sometimes you can be fighting a movie if you're not fully understanding and 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 i think it's fine to work in a movie and kind of figure out what the filmmaker's doing but there's a point when there's so much in it it's kind of good to have a little bit of mm -hmm. uh understanding of what's going on uh in it i make this thing about this is not a good comparison but a movie also had i think bad marketing uh when it comes to describing the movie it's blade runner 2049 mm. i think going into that movie like I think they saw it as a Star Wars film and didn't want to say anything. But I feel like if you if you gave a little bit more information in that marketing, it might have been a more uh, theater more theater hit in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. All right, on that. well let's let's uh, dive into how it got made. So okay, believe it or not, Aronofsky says he wrote this and the entirety of this script in a weekend. No surprise there. Um, <laughs> he was he was coming off of Noah, so he was very steeped in in genesis and, and biblical yeah. uh, allegory and, and mythos and he said he was feeling particularly enraged by the state of the world um outside that's, of the that biblical sounds like aronofsky <laughs> outside of the biblical influence aronofsky cites his other two biggest influences were um, luis buñuel's exterminating angels which is yep. also a, a single location mm -hmm. film mm -hmm. and uh susan griffin's 1978 feminist essay women in nature uh, Aronofsky okay. would actually reach out to Griffin during the making of the film for input into the intersections of feminism and environmentalism. Uh -huh. So he, with the script, he took the project around to a couple studios, 
Fox reportedly backed out because of the the baby eating scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah. ultimately Paramount uh got on board. They were they were hesitant as well, but um especially after Noah really failed to take off critically or commercially. And yeah. I, I think that you know, there's this thing with Noah where I think they were there was a period when studios were trying to tap into the Christian audience. Uh, yeah. that Exodus Gods and Kings. There was a Will Smith David movie in the works at one point where he was going to play King David. And then that Exodus movie kind of failed to tap into the Christian audience and Noah made the Christian audience mad. Yeah. It made, it made money, but it, yeah, it, it yeah. was not a, it was, yeah. So, so they, everyone, Aronofsky was not quite as, as popular as he had been, but he said, you know, I've really been envisioning Jennifer Lawrence for this. And they mm. said, Oh yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> So like we said, it's important to be noted uh, around this time at 2015 when he was pitching the film, Jennifer Lawrence was probably the biggest female star in the world, yes. probably just star in the world in general. She was doing Hunger Games yeah. movies. She was doing the X Games movie or X Men movie, X Games yeah. movie. And, uh, and, then, and basically any movie that she wasn't making outside of those, she's being nominated for an Oscar for it. Kind of yeah, felt and, like. yeah. And then she's doing these David O. Russell films and just knocking yeah. out of the park in each one. So possibly seeing dollar signs and the possibility of a Lawrence headed film, uh, Paramount signed on. It's ultimately unclear what sold them on the film. Paramount president ba Brad Gray was the major backer for the film and he passed mm -hmm. away before it could be completed. Mm -hmm. uh, but it would become clear that his replacements did not have as much faith in the movie as he did. Sounds about right. Uh, like we were saying earlier too, it should also be noted that before the, the Noah kind of didn't perform well, Aronofsky had landed a very rare, like multi-quadrant hit with Black Swan yeah. in 2010. Yeah. Fil yeah. Film had been a hit with critics, won an Academy Award. It won horror fans over. It yeah. ultimately, I I looked this up and it blew me away. It made 330 million dollars yeah. on a 13 million dollar budget. Yep, it was. That is it was insane. It was big. That was one because I was in college at that point, and that was one where it was a very like highly discussed movie mm -hmm. and you either loved it or you hated it was kind of yeah. what it felt like and and not as not as like i don't say as, as polarizing as, as a mother or or noah but it was definitely one where like people were like you tell me that was good it was terrible or what it's, it's <laughs> i think i don't know what people were expecting with it um but that was a big that was a big hit mm -hmm. in, in my in my town in alabama weirdly um so yeah so yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know despite kind of if you write off noah i'm sure the studio saw the chance at oscars and profits yeah by backing what seemed like a lot closer to black swan on paper it's a psychological yeah, horror starring an a-list actress mm -hmm. so some have theorized that jennifer lawrence and aronofsky uh that aronofsky wrote the film f as a vehicle for jennifer lawrence because they were a couple but they actually didn't start dating until after principal photography of this film. Oh, really? It was yeah. after. Okay. Um, so Lawrence says she was drawn to the script when she received it. She instantly recognized the biblical allegory as someone who was raised in the church. And she also was really moved by the environmental messages of the film. But she said uh, she didn't like how dark and violent she was. And she sent the script back after she finished reading it because she said she didn't want it in her house. It was so disturbing. <laughs> Once he got the rest of the cast signed on and with Matthew Liebetique returning to collaborate again, the process began with three months of rehearsals, which is yeah, very rare that. for a studio film. 
Yeah. Uh, but like we said, blocking is so important for a film like this. They rented out a warehouse in New York. They taped out the layout of the entire house and they spent three months uh, visualizing how the actors would move and how the camera would move because Libatik and Aronofsky wanted to shoot the whole thing steady cam. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, Aronofsky and production designer Messina started touring Victorian style houses in New York for inspiration on their set. Uh, they ultimately were taken by a house that was designed in the 1800s by a phrenologist who had designed his own home. And he tried to design it by mirroring the chambers of the brain with the room layout. Huh. So okay. with that house in mind, they built two versions of the house in Montreal for the production, an outdoor mm-hmm. version with just the first floor for natural daylight, and then an indoor fully three-story version for night scenes. Wow. Man. Messina, who had recently co- collaborated with uh, Inuritu on Carne Arena, his VR experience, yeah, maybe, used yeah. the, uh, the Oculus to let Aronofsky kind of walk through parts of the house on VR while he was designing it. Wow. So once the house was built and the blocking was nailed down, it was time to shoot. They embarked on a, uh, on a two-month shoot on, a, on this $30 million film. And Brandon, what are some of your favorite scenes? He's gonna have a hard time picking. This one's difficult because I, I it, it <laughs> it's like um the scene it's the movie's so odd in, in terms of like scene like a scene structure because you're kind yeah. of like jumping around. It's like one moment there's no one in the house, and then all of a sudden there's four people in the house, and there's ten people in the house, and then you're like it just keeps getting bigger. Like it's it's almost like it's almost like pulling thing. This is this is a weird analogy, but pulling things out of like Mary Poppins's bag, it just keeps <laughs> coming and coming and coming, and you don't really know what's going to come next. Yeah. Well, That's kind it, of it, it, it's really like you know it, there is still a three act structure, but it's almost yes. in two acts, and that there's kind yeah. of Genesis and yes. then like the New Testament, yes. and uh, there's just kind of a major gap in between those two. I mean, I I do love the the Ed Harris like kind of all kind of the, the main four of ed harris michelle pfeiffer lawrence and bardem mm-hmm. i think one thing that pops to mind and there's a lot of stuff in b- before this and we can discuss but one thing i think comes to mind is when like it's the ed harris and michelle pfeiffer trying to get into the writer's study basically mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. to get into Bar- bardem study and it's the like when they drop the 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 diamond that he mm-hmm. that is that he is a a precious item of his and, and what I like about it too is like it it shows Bar because Bardem is like is interesting performance in this because he's someone who's can be very calm in a way but can ha- this boiling rage is underneath at some point and it's mm-hmm. gonna erupt and that's the scene where you see it happen yeah. where he becomes just completely like upset with everyone around him mm-hmm. um but you get Lawrence's like it's it's you're very much kind of the she's the audience in a way like always kind of confused of who's coming into her house and everything like yeah. that. And she kind of hates these two people. Yeah. Why, she's why are they allowed to be here? This yeah, guy just showed up and said he's a yeah. fan and now he's staying in our house. Staying and his, wife house, is his wife's here. And she see she kind of sees him for what he is. Like Ed Harris for what he is. When, when Bardem is like, Oh, he, but he's a fan. Yeah. Like he loves me. He loves me. And she's like, no, like he's kind of, they're like, that's fine for him to be a fan, but like he can't, you can't just be like offering like our house and everything. Cause Harris is always kind of like, 
no smoking in here and he keeps like smoking in the house yeah. and she just keeps finding cigarettes everywhere keeps finding cigarettes everywhere and it's all of a sudden like oh it's not just harris oh it's his wife now and she's staying here and she really she's drunk all the time she's drunk all the time and i think tell you about that a scene is is when she's like when pfeiffer and lawrence are together because pfeiffer i think you can tell is really enjoying this role yeah um is like basically trying to find out about lawrence and bardem's sex life is what it is mm-hmm. and she's going keeps, through like, her dirty la- literally going through her dirty, dirty laundry, laundry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, oh, it's about the, like the whole idea of like, do you or or you don't want kids or whatever. It's 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 that, and she's like, oh, you do want kids. It's him that's been like holding back. Um, but yeah, there it's you can tell. I think Pfeiffer on all the four. I mean Harris too, but like, I think Pfeiffer is like just like I said is really enjoying this kind of like uh, antagonistic role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's uh, that kind of whole section right there is really yeah. kind of fun and 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 it's again to go with this idea of like this movie gets very big but it's the stronger part sometimes with like four people scenes or whatever yeah. um even as, when as, as like insane and horrifying as this movie gets by the end it's it's crazy how not not horrifying but just like irking you know every time she finds some, one of those cigarettes she's just like oh <laughs> like it's it's it is nightmarish like how many yeah. times can you tell someone not to smoke in your house and they just keep doing it and then, and then the one time when he sees her he's like walks out so oh no i'm going outside yeah, he's Don't like worry. i'm taking it outside and it takes like three puffs before he gets outside yeah what's wrong why would you do that without asking me do what invite them to stay i didn't think it was a big deal strange what did you know he had a wife what about your writing i was actually enjoying not thinking about it but now that i am thinking about it i should go and do something about it hey hey It really should work. When when I when I was watching it this time, I it, you know I, I I remembered, like I said, the first time I watched it, I didn't know anything about the biblical allegory, and and I I learned it after, and that was you know now, five years ago, yeah. and so I came back into it remembering that that was like part of it, and I think it was seeing the rib, you know. So there's the scene when yeah when he gets Adam's sick rib. and she comes down and she sees this like gash in his side. Yeah, and then the wife shows up the next day. So the idea of God removing Adam's rib to create Eve, and that was when I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is this is pretty much going beat for beat through yeah. the story of creation." And so that's when you get them going up to the to his study for the forbidden fruit, and and when he goes, you know, mad and and starts hammering up the door, and and no one's ever going to get in here again. Is when I He's was like, "Oh, okay, eating. this is." This is just straight up the Bible. Gotcha. Okay. And he's, you know, he, he's got his third floor that Javier Bardem goes up to that no one else, you know, yeah. he gets to retreat to heaven whenever he wants. And she's, and, and mother is stuck dealing with these people here on, on the yeah, first we, floor. We never see the third floor. Do we ever see the third no, floor? It's, no, it's only yeah. for him. He gets it's to, just he that, gets to yeah, fly yeah, away well, whenever he right. wants to. You're right. Because it's that, it's that scene when, when he like is, is like peering down at her. And like comes down and just it's almost like you can tell there's worry on her face of like oh oh like yeah he's upset he's coming down to to 
to to take yeah. control or whatever. I, I believe it is said in, in in Genesis that like when the Garden of Eden existed, it was there is this idea that it was like on a different plane of existence almost. Yeah. Because it was a place where God just kind of literally coexisted and interacted with Adam and Eve. And yeah. when it was boarded up, they were kind of expelled down to earth and he went up to heaven to spend all his time there. So so that's being represented here by by literally three stories. And then oh, wow. he goes on up to the third story and sticks Mother Earth with with these people. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't I, I didn't catch that. The like he literally just goes to the third floor and we never see what's up there. Yeah. And it, it doesn't make sense because like his study, that would be where he would go to get away from everything not a, an extra floor away from everything but yeah, yeah she is having to deal with these people and like that's the I, the progress the pro, the how it progresses of the she it's like well like yeah, when when harris and pfeiffer show up you can tell again this idea of like god being obsessed with, with adam or whatever mm-hmm. and not being obsessed with 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 uh with the world or with the earth and it's this idea of like it's it's his new toy yeah and like exactly. and, and you're beginning to see him become more obsessed with with his new toys mm-hmm. um and and then until like the toys betray him essentially and she's kind of like i've never betrayed you i've always been here why can't we just have our world it's just mm-hmm. you and me uh of god and earth uh we have to add these new people to it and they're gonna destroy it basically and that you and you see it it's the little things it starts off with little things it's the smoking in the house uh it's the the leaving things around everywhere or it's it's bringing more of your guests without asking and things mm-hmm. and it's pro- progressively getting worse and worse and worse to finally it's the stuff later on where it's like oh we're painting the house without telling you or <laughs> we're, we're literally changing the interior of the of of your world yeah uh yeah. we've been such a good house we just thought we yeah. would change things without change your thing. without your acknowledgement yeah based on our liking and sometimes it's this like it's this ignorance but also this like almost like because it's the it's the sink stuff it's the like oh you tell us not to do it oh no we'll show you it's totally fine <laughs> and you're <yeah>. like <laughs> it's like thanks a lot stevie it, from Shits creek i thought that, i was like oh wow that is her that is emily hampshire a local a, canadian hire that's why i knew it was in canada when i saw her i was like, oh this is in canada this must be in canada there's something that happens where you see like certain actors that are only in canadian projects you're like oh this is definitely in canada mm-hmm real quick backtrack a little bit on the rehearsal part i remember because lawrence is known to like she doesn't like rehearsing mm-hmm. at all and she was i think i like at first like did not want to rehearse this movie at all but i think aronofsky was very like no we should need to rehearse this movie uh because everyone's kind of said like never do rehearsal with or she's so she likes doing it now like doing it kind of first out of the gate without having like read the lines to the lines before um but i think you need it for this type of movie um but yeah she's she again she's great in this uh and i do love the kind of the opening step or that that is the first part when it's just the four and then you add in the whole can and abel stuff with the gleason bros that that was my next pick that's that's probably (laughs) one of my like two favorite scenes in this movie it is just so out of hand and and shocking and visceral and obviously big donald gleason fan here yeah remember being in the theater and not knowing he was going to show up and just being like oh there he is oh yeah and then and he's i gone. still didn't like it's wild <laughs> to me now watching it that like i didn't pick up on that like i you know yeah. i was like oh kind of you know brothers killing each other your mind immediately goes like Cain and abel but like i yeah. i still didn't quite grasp the whole the i was whole just canvas. watching the book of genesis happen in front yeah, of me yeah. yeah yeah to go yeah go with the eden part then go with that and then it's the kind of like 
the, and not just the loss of one but kind of the loss of two it's like that you had that mm-hmm. kind of whole like not pray but you have that kind of wake or whatever about the two sons and it's god kind of or it's him overlooking it all and they're like oh mother why don't you say a few words and she's just kind of like i don't care like i don't like yeah. these people like what do you mean yeah. like they're they're invading our world like why should we why should i give them uh a so- like, sh- like give them sorrow or something i love that like, I, I love that moment when michelle pfeiffer is like aren't you gonna put something a little more modest on it's like i yeah. was asleep these are my pajamas <laughs> And then that that goes into the sink, which is ultimately the most horrifying part of this movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like those cigarettes. She has she just over and over again. She's like, "Please get down from there." And yeah. she's like, "It's fine." I'm like, why yeah. are you, who are you so worried about? Yeah, it's like I know better. I put that sink there. I know that it's yeah. not ready for people to sit on it. And it just gets, and oh, it's like they're going up to the, going up to like their room, and like, and like it's the, it's the guy that she kind of meets earlier, and like he's making out with one of the other people that's there. Like it's mm-hmm. just like they start invading the pri- their privacy or whatever. I, I guess that's the building towards again building towards the New Testament in a way because it's the baby comes after this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, you, there there is, you know, the idea that when when the sink the 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 flood from from noah is, oh, is kind of the yeah. idea of when the sink breaks and floods the the wow kitchen. i totally missed that part okay that makes total sense there's a lot of it here <laughs> man he really they really he really just goes full on with this like that's mm-hmm. the wow i mean you go in the whole idea of like uh I, the one of the reviews you sent about the idea of like god kind of like like erasing it and starting anew with like setting the world on fire and everything that and that comes into play here um but yeah it's yeah i guess every everything is so tied together to the, to the bible it's kind of crazy now i think about it um and then i think so we go into that so uh the sink happens and that's when when she becomes pregnant essentially mm-hmm. right right after that and then you kind of had this new like world for them essentially yeah. we got, we got to, rid of those people yeah we got rid of those people it's this kind of new, new chapter literally yeah. um with you uh you me and our new newborn son and that's supposed to be jesus basically yes and then that's when the when it just gets batshit crazy is <laughs> yeah. it's pretty much like from there on out you're in you're in for a, a descent into hell is kind of yeah. what i say it's very much that you the you thought the first you thought the original people were making the house bad oh boy <laughs> <laughs> and that i guess that's what kind of happens like, it just like rapidly gets worse uh and it makes sense because again it's like you'd say like before jesus there's thousands and thousands of years of history or millions of years of history in a way uh and then within two thousand years we're like no we're gonna like screw this whole entire place up basically <laughs> or whatever um war War. religion organized religion persecution yeah it just gets it gets so insane so quickly that's where you're just like what is going on here mm-hmm. and i think that's the part where like you almost you need to know the allegory for it to somewhat make sense i think it's yeah. like because that's where it's just getting so out of hand because if you if you take again this gets graphic in the movie but if you take the whole newborn stuff at face value it's it's like why is he doing this this is so disturbing but when you look at it in the face of the biblical allegory it it makes sense mm-hmm. um and then i guess we'll add in here too because 
I we haven't talked about, but it is I there is moments of the artist and the muse here. Like that's yeah. that's a little bit that's that's in this movie, but it's not the the primary uh force. It's mm-hmm. the sec- kind of the secondary thing. Because what I was gravitating towards this time, where because when you're making when you're telling a story, when you're if you're a playwright or you're a screenwriter or a director or whatever, you are putting something out into the world to be judged. And so that part kind of reminds me of like, I say a filmmaker, cause we're talking about movies, a filmmaker who's put a lot of their life and time into this project. And sometimes as with anything, they are inspired by other people in that project. And those people are not part of the press tour or mm-hmm. whatever, like it is in this movie. And then at a certain point you release that thing out into the world to be taken by an audience by critics or audience alike. And sometimes they rip that thing apart that you've been spending so much time and effort into, or mm-hmm. you put your, you put your whole uh, being into and it gets ripped, ripped apart in an instance. And that's kind of what happens here. If you look at it from the artist perspective, mm-hmm. but then you can also look at it from the biblical perspective of it being, jesus being taken by the people on yeah. earth essentially and so i do a lot I, of I really into that i do really love that scene um with the two of them in the study because it is a of it, it does the the last third of this movie is so insane and the pacing is crazy and levatique's camera just puts you right there in it it reminds me a lot of the 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 kind of big one or from children of men where you're just yeah. in this like insane battlefield and you you can't get away from it um but then you get that scene and, and that's that's the place where I think kind of the critique of like it's too on the nose. It's very obviously a biblical allegory. That's where I think I, I disagree with that that thought mm-hmm. because I do think it brings something new to the story yeah. because I've, I've never thought of, you know, the Bible in this way. But if you do approach it of this idea that like God and, and Gaia or Mother Earth, whatever, were, were partners in creating this thing. Yeah. That scene of them in the study is is heartbreaking because she's been viewing this baby. She's been viewing like he has told her like Jesus will be the reset for the world and it's going to yeah. get it back to the way you and I wanted it to be. Yeah. And then she starts so she has the baby and then she realizes he's still not happy. Yeah. And and he he wants it and he wants to take it away from her and she is like and show the world. Yeah. yeah he wants to give give it to give the it, world give it to and the she world. was like yes. i thought this was like the last thing you've given the world this house i thought this was the last thing that was going to be between the two of us and they have that like standoff where that seems to last for days where yeah. she she is trying to stay awake and protect him and she finally yeah. falls asleep and he just immediately takes him from her and, yeah, and gives him over to the world who destroys him immediately, immediately. And it's a great, it's a great moment. Again, like I said, it's a very quiet moment for again what's happened before and what's about to happen. And then again, you throw in the whole like three wise men in a way too. He's like they bring gifts, mm-hmm. and it's like, and it's like kind of the it's it's not frankincense and myrrh or whatever, but it's very much like it's like oh they brought food, they brought this, and and it's like just coming all of a sudden. But we we're they're un unseen people basically, mm-hmm. um, gifts for the newborn baby. Are they leaving? They, they just want to see him. No. Make them go. I can't. I can't. Yes, you can. They adore you. They would listen to you. Why won't you? I don't want them to go. Oh, 
Okay, let me hold him. Let me hold my baby. Let me hold him. No. I'm his father. I'm his mother. But yeah, and it's like, it really just with the newborn baby, it just gets worse. It's kind of the thing. It yeah. just it becomes uh, ultimately oh, just God. like the, the, the damn baby, society. The, 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 just the snap when the neck breaks oh, man, is it's so just bad. horrifying. So bad. Yeah. And, and, and you hear, yeah, you feel it. You feel it. And, and that's where Lawrence just goes full on berserker mode is kind mm-hmm. of the thing with that performance uh and i think pulls it off and great it's like it's because i think it's like every, in one of the articles you sent it's like talking about how like uh aronofsky puts his actors uh through the paces and and you don't really like you don't that hasn't really happening beforehand because it's just kind of them in the house but then you get in that last descent into madness type thing and it's just it's insane it's yeah, like an everyone and, and just La- full on turns on her yeah it's like lawrence is like really put through the ringer in terms of physicality uh as an actor in that moment and all a very very revealing and vulnerable uh as well that's not a that's not a thing i would want to act in any way no. shape or form no. um yeah she's fantastic and i think i think bardem is great in this as well i think yeah. it's a really inter yeah. a really interesting interpretation of god especially yeah towards the end there when he because he's he's he exudes this like he always knows what he's doing and it's and it's kind of smug he's just like it's, <laughs> hey it's fine I don't, I don't know what you're worried about these people came over they're fine and then and then you you do see those moments when he realizes like with the baby where he just kind of realizes that things are out, have Dick, gotten out of hand didn't go as, yeah it's yeah. like oh no yeah it's trying to get her out in this out of safe into safety or whatever at one point but yeah he realizes how messed up it's become but he again he's been obsessed with his new toys and he's let the toys take over basically mm-hmm. uh and and how do you stop that how do you how do you stop your toys from from wreaking so much havoc well you start anew <laughs> it's kind of the thing you wipe you wipe the house of of all of its all of its flaws and all the people within it and you start over and and in some cases it's in in biblical terms it's used or biblical times it's usually a fire that ruins Mm -hmm. the world that becomes hot and everything burns up and then you start anew um and then you have this new mother earth you have this new muse or something Mm -hmm. uh it's kind of thing and again to go it bookends basically because that's what you see at the beginning of the movie is you see an unknown woman with her like fiery eyes like burning up and then the house it's shot to the house he takes Ash her, pulls her literal heart out, and, yeah. and with it starts starts anew. The only other one, I, the two images that lived on from this movie in my mind from the first time I saw it were the sink breaking and Kristen Wiig marching down a line of people <laughs> executing them all. Like it, that 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 turn is she's just so. Like, she's only like two scenes in this yeah, movie. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence kind of goes away for a minute, and the first time you see her, she's just such a like she's a literary agent. She's such an agent. She's like, oh hi, yeah. how are you? Yeah. You're the what, muse you? or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's so nice to meet you. And then the next time you see her, she's like leading this militant cult. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like trying to kill her as well. She goes mm-hmm. like, oh the muse or whatever. Like oh line her up. I think that was when you told me you're like because I think you call this a little bit. I don't say it's a full kind, but you said it was the movie's comical, and I was like, really? He's like, and you're like, oh, when I see Kristen Wiig <laughs> like shooting a bunch of people like out of nowhere, mm. I take that as a comedy. <laughs> yeah, because you could have picked anyone for that role, 
uh but it's Kristen Wiig for some reason like yeah. it's two like two scenes and she's out my genius oh look at you the second printing is here Rick. yes I wish you would have told me about this too have you been like there she is oh the inspiration all right I have to be honest I was a little worried about him being holed up here with you I was nervous you'd never write again of yeah, Whatever you did, you. it was worth it. Excuse me. <laughs> Look at you, you're ready to pop. <laughs> How are you feeling? Hot? It's hot in here, is it me? It's broiling. Maybe I've got it ready. Oh yes, you excuse me. A little bit about on-set life. Uh, it was a two-month shoot, and uh, it kind of earned notoriety. You know, Lawrence is kind of reliably candid during her press tour, so that's part of the charms. <laughs> And um, she admitted on the press tour for this film that she got way too sucked in to the the shooting of this movie and to the performance, leading to panic attacks that got so severe that she tore her diaphragm hyperventilating oh my once. Oh, God. Yeah, it was during one of the big fine one of the shoots of the big final scene. And Aronofsky says he was like had a megaphone and was like yelling like, Jen, this is not real. This is not real. And she just broke out into a panic attack. So wow. they Holy the crew got together shit. to build her a a safe place on set, which oh, yeah. it became very uh, yeah. kind of became a meme. They built a tent for her that was filled with candy and a TV yeah. that was always showing keeping up with the Kardashians, and she yes. could just retreat to that tent. Uh, Aronofsky also said that was the scariest part of the movie to him was this room that was just always showing the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, because Aronofsky is definitely a guy who binge watches the Keep Up with Kardashians, like. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what Aronofsky's like, uh, like turn off my brain thing is. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, cause like mine's Storage Wars. Like that's the thing. It's like <laughs> maybe it's River Monsters. Well, you know? It's it's like Storage Wars or Below Deck. I I feel like I feel like Aronofsky's a big Finding Bigfoot guy. Yeah, you know I what I mean. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, and it was really important to find Lawrence a place to decompress between takes because she's in all of them. She. Uh, <laughs> There's only two shots in this movie that don't feature her, and it's the two, it's the two other mothers, the the first mother and the and yeah. the one who follows her. She otherwise she is in every single shot of the film. Um, even the sounds of the house are Jennifer Lawrence. I did not realize this. She what? did extensive ADR in post, and all of the like creaks and groans of the house are her like voice then processed to processed. really drive home this idea that that she is the house, she is Mother Earth yeah um, wow editing okay. took 53 weeks <laughs> oh man yeah oh shit. Um, aronofsky brought in a lot of people to consult on it, including including susan griffin the essayist who inspired him she she came in and had a lot of input onto it uh and this would be aronofsky's first film without clint mansell who was the composer for all of his films Previously, he partnered with uh, Johan Johansson, who wrote a score for the film. They recorded the whole thing, cut it into the film, and Johansson asked Aronofsky to remove it. He told him he thought it worked better without. So, oh, so wow. Johansson also tried to work with the sound designer Craig Hennigan, who was doing all those, you know, uh, house sounds, to create a sound score for the film um, mm -hmm. based off of that kind of Lawrence's voice they were using, but also tossed that out as well. So ultimately no music is heard in the film except for that end of the world cover by Patti Smith at the end. Yeah. Okay. So after 53 weeks of post, 
we're on to the that's release. St- that's still insane to me. Yeah. Have, I don't know if we've ever covered a movie that had that much post <laughs> so far. I mean, maybe Eyes Wide Shut, maybe, but I don't know if it was that. That's that's a lot. There's no notes on like what the studio was doing at this point, but you you know yeah. there was like so many calls. Are like, oh, so can we see? Can we see a cut? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I really, I don't know if this movie was tested, but I really want to know the test scores this movie were. Like, if if it was tested, because that that was probably uh insane to read yeah well to get into the fallout so Uh as part of the deal with paramount for the movie aronofsky initially had full control over the marketing of the film so he started a viral campaign he wanted to keep it he said he wanted to keep it as mysterious as possible so the first thing he did was he posted this feminist poetry on his twitter feed it was a a poem about how we kind of mistreat mother earth from a feminist point of view Mm -hmm. he started posting images on his twitter feed um the choice to stylize the title as as mother like we said all lowercase with the exclamation point was aronofsky's as well he wanted to use the lowercase m at the beginning and the exclamation point at the end to illustrate the journey of the film from simple to chaotic okay so you start off very low key and then at the Mm -hmm. end you've got that exclamation point to show the last the last 20 minutes of the film yeah yeah okay uh next came the iconic posters um they were filled with easter eggs that really drove up anticipation for the movie further that both kind of hand-drawn portraits of lawrence and bardem that the one of of lawrence people noticed was very similar to jennifer's baby which i think got the horror film you mean like really into it rosemary's baby yeah what did i say you you said jennifer's baby which i think jennifer's Jennifer's body body. uh no (laughs) yes rosemary's baby which got horror fans like really excited yeah but there was just like crazy stuff in it too like collider magazine found that if you he posted when he initially posted the poster of javier bardem there was an audio running over it of javier bardem saying i'm just trying to create something in this house and collider found when you ran that through a spectrogram the audio waves formed an image of javier bardem so it turned into this whole like crazy easter egg viral campaign Uh Um, and they are really cool posters. I, I yeah. remember that from the start that both of those posters were, were just really neat. That was the, the, the heart, her heart one that she's pulling yeah, out. Or she's she's yeah. holding her heart out and then he's holding yeah. his, he's holding the piece of crystal, but you can also see yeah. a reflection of a baby in the, yeah. in the crystal. Yeah. And the crystal so, looks, it's, it's a ball basically it looks like too. Yeah. So like Earth. very cool marketing campaign. It starts to build some buzz like and yeah. you know whatever trailer yeah. we saw or heard in the theater. Like people people are going like okay, especially after Noah. I yeah. think people are like all right, Aronofsky's Aronofsky's kinda, back, he's baby. He's back. Yeah. Yeah. So buzz begins to build. It's accepted into competition at Venice, making Paramount really hopeful that they had another film that could split that like cult horror hit and also yeah. awards darling. Oh, man. Uh, those hopes they, dropped were however they, were they in for it <laughs> <laughs> those hopes dropped when the film was met with applause mixed with audible booing at the venice yeah. film fest yeah uh news broke out about the booing in the trades and the studio panicked so the the official yeah. paramount stance on what happened next uh, <laughs> was that they pulled the release date for the film up because after it screened at venice they didn't want any of the secrets of the film getting out uh, so they pulled it up by a month 
to a week after it premiered at Venice. It was supposed to come wow. out in October. They pulled it up to the second week of September. When do they pull? Like when? When do they make that call to pull it up? Do you just the, find the that? week of Venice? I mean, it was like it was wow. like a panic pull. Yes. Wow. So to me, that's insane. To me, that reads like let's get as much ticket sales in the first week as we can get because people yeah. at Venice hated this movie, and we want to get people in for the first week before these critics you know before yeah. reviews drop from venice really yeah so um a, a new trailer was released um so they they pulled the week up so it's now it's supposed to come out a week after also a paramount horror hit um it so it comes <laughs> that out, was that was september you're right it comes out the first week of september and paramount releases a new trailer for mother highlighting the scares and screams of the film that plays before it i distinctly remember this i saw it opening weekend yeah and then it the trailer ended with like a little tag that says like go to the box office when you leave it go straight to the box office and buy your ticket for mother wow which to me continues to read like <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're trying to make we're, as we're much money as we can before fun. reviews for this movie come out yeah where people realize yeah yeah oh so in the in the dance we know all too well at this point between studio marketing and art horror uh, yep. audiences were convinced and showed up to mother expecting a straight up horror film yeah especially if you just saw it the week before and they were like <laughs> hey if you liked it go out of the theater and buy your ticket for mother uh so they were obviously not impressed by this biblical allegory that they were handed instead uh and it made the film one of the rare movies to receive an f on cinema yeah. score which is a instead of rotten tomatoes where you know you've got your critic scores cinema scores just based on audience. regular audience yeah. goers immediately after they've walked out of the theater yeah. so it's usually a pretty good way to see like a very visceral visceral reaction by an audience yeah, and um people, and i feel like it's, it's usually horror films that get f's yeah, a lot of the time people uh, hated this movie uh it was it was fairly well received by critics um I sent you a uh, New Yorker review. It's even some of the critics who didn't get the biblical allegory still appreciated it. Like yeah. I did in the theater the first time as, you know, like a story about an allegory for the artist and the muse or uh -huh. some people missed the biblical part, but got that she was mother earth. Um, and everyone kind of agreed that no matter all the critics seem to agree that no matter what Lawrence really sold her performance and the film really sold the horror of it all of, of mm -hmm. this mother losing control of her house. Yeah. Um, Susan Griffin said after she saw the final product, the film doesn't operate in an intellectual way. It operates emotionally and that is its strength. Mm -hmm. I do think no matter what you come out of this movie feeling empathy and horror for Jennifer Lawrence's character. Yeah, no, you do. Um, but audiences did not agree with her and the 30 million dollar movie ultimately grossed only 44 million globally which is definitely a loss of cash yeah for if Paramount. you're well because i mean take out the rush because i because if you rush anything it's gonna cost more yeah so like if marketing as was because the idea is like just marketing like it's the budget it's the budget basically the actual production budget so like 60 million just for marketing if they rushed it i would even say that's closer to 80 million mm -hmm. they might have rushed it and then if theaters take like half of that or whatever that means they have to make like uh oh gosh like basically 120 million or so to to make a profit maybe if not more and that was nowhere near that mm. um 
big loss. I mean, I mean, luckily they just had it and it was a massive hit. It was the one they were looking for like mm-hmm. in terms of like, cause that was a low budget, no name people straight kind of horror. And that was, a, uh, it was IP. Yes, but it made the money they were looking for. They're hoping mother would make. And yep. that didn't occur. So, uh, <laughs> in the fallout for the film, it kind of became notorious for that cinema score was overwhelmingly despite decent reviews was overwhelmingly viewed as a failure critically and commercially and eventual razzie nominations for lawrence bardem and aronofsky would actually be met with some backlash the the golden razzies had to come out and kind of apologize because a lot of people came out and they were like hey i didn't like the movie but like jennifer lawrence was good and you guys you guys were just trying to ride the wave of the backlash to nominate her for this movie that's why the razzies are a joke and i could give a a shit what they do i'm sorry <laughs> like like I, I i mean ever since the whole ben affleck getting nominated for for last duel i'm like i'm, I'm out <laughs> well, well last thing last note about the marketing uh like like you and i kind of talked about as to what's the better way to watch this movie jennifer lawrence has since said that she didn't agree with aronofsky and keeping yeah. it all secret she was pushing him the whole time to yeah. be open about it because she said she thought that the biblical it was the biblical allegory that brought her to the film in the first place she thought it was really beautifully done and she thought the message was a very important message you know and and it's hard to sell your global warming movie if nobody knows it's about global warming but you know she also just recently did a global warming movie that everyone was mad that it was too on the nose so yeah who knows yeah somewhere in the middle somewhere in the middle so what works in this movie i mean jennifer lawrence works in this movie no matter what (laughs) she works a lot no, no matter what the Razzies say, um, um, she works every yeah, shoot day, <laughs> every shoot day, and then keeping up the Kardashians, uh, during her breaks. Oh man, that's uh, um, yeah, I think she's worked. I think the rest of the cast works too. I think Harris, Pfeiffer, Bardem being the the, the main three. It's like Harrison, Harrison, Pfeiffer are interesting because like they're gone, maybe. 40 minutes after like maybe at, like after 40 45 minutes or maybe an hour in the movie they're gone they're they're not they're not ever the second half of the film basically yeah, yeah. um uh i think i think aronofsky's direction is great i think i think is uh, on the nose or not i think his story that he's trying to tell is ambitious mm-hmm. uh and in turn must be applauded for that um so yeah i think i think all that works i think the uh, production yeah, design think, of it all that i think there's is it is it I can't remember now who said that there's a very famous quote that, that, that a film is like a machine to create empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think he does that really well here that like, that's not something I would ever, that that's not an angle I would ever think to take is like, how yeah. do you think mother earth felt about all this going down? <laughs> and, yeah. and I do, I think they do it really. I think they really do it well. Like you, like I said, I don't think you can emerge yeah. no matter what you take from this film. I don't think you can come out of it, not feeling some sort of emotion, for jennifer lawrence's character yeah and um and i think lee batik's work here is fantastic that the way that they shoot it kind of steady cam right behind her the whole time is is a horror technique yeah but yeah. it's not like we're worried about you know when when carpenter shoots steady cam from behind you're like oh my god who's following this person yeah this one is it it puts us right there with her we're we're entering every room at the same time with her to yeah discover these new horrors with her every time yeah. it, it's not as much like what's behind us as what's in front of us yeah 
and that's very and that's very much like um i mean he, they do this in in the wrestler and the wrestler and, yeah that follows and, around behind him pretty yes, much the whole movie and, and black swan kind of as well for a good bit of it uh may not as much but the wrestler is like you're really on this journey with this guy mm-hmm. i mean it, it 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 yeah i don't know i yeah it's 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 definitely i feel like you're with aronofsky you're seeing a filmmaker who went through like like two successful movies and then one and noah which may which i made a good bit of money i guess hey it made like 350 million dollars the box office mm-hmm. i don't know if it made profit or whatever but it's like you you're seeing this guy who's you could say the whole thing he's frustrated with the kind of the world in terms of like nature and what the world what we're doing to the world and everything like that but also a frustrated artist and that's like seeping into this his uh his viewpoint so you mm-hmm. have those kind of things so he's doing i mean he's doing a lot in this movie um visually and story-wise so what doesn't work in this movie i don't know man um <laughs> the marketing the marketing yeah that's big um do you do you think one do you think they do you think they should have what's the better way to view this movie okay i would say you need to you need to have some idea of the allegory going in okay i don't know how you show that in marketing is kind of the hard yeah. part um because i mean honestly i mean he the poster with the with the kind of like mother earth poster or whatever mm-hmm. he shows it a little bit that's the thing I want, i'll give him credit like, they showed a little bit but trailer wise i i don't know how you show i don't know how you tell that story in a trailer that's why i don't i don't i'm not a trailer editor um but i don't know how you show like it's the bible basically i mean mm-hmm. you, just, you, you have you include more lines of dialogue with that or whatever yeah because um, i mean it, the, you know the movie doesn't say it. it's not like they're no, named yeah. adam and eve in the movie they're they're called yeah, man, it's and, man woman. and woman so, so in a way it is it is on the nose once you know what he's doing but there, yeah. there is no immediate tell to no. clue you into what he's doing it, yeah. you either know or you don't yeah it's the only way you do it is if like when they're doing the actual press tour they're talking more openly about it yeah like and he that, did that, if, if you go back uh-huh. If you go back and, and read like a couple of weeks, I mean, he was it, the thing was he was just so cagey before it came out, and once yeah, it yeah. came out, he would answer any question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. And like you could ask him, "Hey, what does this mean right here?" And he would tell you like one thing. Um, and and but it was just you know it was our by that the damage was done by that first weekend, mm-hmm. and 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 it was it was too late. But yeah, I I I I did really enjoy that first just kind of like wtf viewing ahead of it yeah but i know that's not for everyone and i and i do think like i said i do think i had a completely different experience watching it knowing what it was meant to be and i, I do think ultimately that's probably the more enjoyable viewing that i had yeah was was knowing what he was doing i think you have the audience fight the movie a little bit as i said like work work like actually working to like figure out what the filmmaker's doing but there's a point where audiences if they have to fight too much they fight against it and not with it if that makes sense they're fighting mm-hmm. like they're fighting the movie and i think that's what happened here is that it was just it was too much of an uphill battle where you're like now now these brothers are appearing like what's going on and then it's like all these like how are these people coming in all of a sudden like now he's writing a book and now everyone knows where he is like it's it's a lot of stuff that if, if you're t- again, if you're taking it at face value you're taking it as a straight horror film it's not gonna it's not catch on i think um all right my other question is you think given give it another two years paramount doesn't do it they don't advertise it before it 
someone like A24 puts it out. It does better because I think it reaches because I think I think A24 is almost, almost becoming like what Criterion becomes to people in a way of like because of that stamp of approval. Mm hmm you know it's there's some sort of artistic merit to it in yeah. a way well and i think i think they've also and it's taken them a while because there was a, there was backlash to something like it comes at night um which yeah. i which i enjoyed but there, there was, always there was, will be yeah but but it's even i think it they continue the to build this audience because like mm -hmm. last year you had lamb which was kind of marketed mm -hmm. as a horror movie and uh these these people that are kind of the a24 diehards went to go see it and, and a lot of people i talked to came out of it and was like well it wasn't really a horror movie but like i'm glad i saw it like people yeah. people didn't have that immediate knee jerk like i didn't get scared i hate this movie yeah. so i do think they are finding and building an audience that would be more receptive to something like this i mean it's funny because uh, i told you before the show like we watched i watched devil's backbone with a few friends and that was when someone said like oh yeah i never watched this because i thought it was just a, a like a big straight horror film and i didn't realize it was about like people and during a war orphans mm -hmm. in a war just like uh, again del toro stuff man being the real monster and about greed they're like oh i didn't know it was me about that i thought it was gonna be like about like ghosts and blood and killings yeah. i was like no not that at once all once again like we talked about through the yeah. all of del toro that yeah. month was how how did he become this horror yeah. director and like mainstream media yeah and and so yeah so i think yeah i i think if you have if it's on a smaller scale with i think i think the problem is studios got gun shy with things mm -hmm. with it. And that's, again, that's the panic mode of, of bringing up a month. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing to do. Anytime you're moving a release date, they just said, let's move it up. Like move mother up. So like, again, we can like, like uh piggyback off me. It's box office success. Um, But yeah, in terms of the filmmaking, like, yeah, you, you could say some of the stuff's on the nose in moments. Um, and like maybe like do you like people a lot of people were upset about the baby thing about the 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 newborn sequence i feel like if you don't have that you can't it's it's not the, like the movie doesn't work and i'm not saying mm -hmm. that but like if you don't have that i think his thesis he doesn't his thesis is not like valid in a way it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't pan out at the end of the day if that's not in there um but yeah i don't know in terms of filmmaking it's a movie that you're either with or you're against is kind of yeah. the thing yep um and there's not much you can either fully impacted or you're yeah. you're, you're impacted in a, in a negative way and yeah and i think that's just kind of inherent to it's to a lot of his movies but this yeah. this one yeah, especially yeah. yeah so like, no, i don't think there's anything wrong with the movie like wrong with it like it, it doesn't need fixing it it's just yeah it's not it's not going to be for everyone that's um, kind of the thing yeah and and it's not I, I, this is not one of those movies where i'm like you're wrong if you don't like this movie because i do no. feel that way about some i know i know film is subjective yeah. but there are some movies where i feel <laughs> that way. this way i'm like you are completely valid if that is not your cup yeah. of tea i can see yeah. someone saying it's too confusing i can see someone saying it's too on the nose i personally think it is on the nose but like i said i think it brings a new perspective to yes he is recreating these these biblical stories very closely to the way that they're told but i do yeah. think he's bringing a new perspective to it which makes the whole thing feel fresh yeah. and interesting for me no i agree what what are the movies that you think cannot be hated <laughs> or i'm just like you're wrong you should be uh, one if you got one toy story three fair i agree with you on that you know i we got i got in a big fight we we did a at my office one day we did a ranking of all the pixar movies and we did like a bracket 
and probably the most mad i've ever gotten in an interaction with people we let everybody (laughs) in the office vote probably the most mad i've ever gotten in a film debate is overall the office voted incredibles 2 over coco and i was just like have you seen coco are you kidding me (laughs) yeah that's 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 ridiculous like like incredibles 2 is fun mm-hmm Coco hit Coco is fun and hits and hits your heart. It's kind yes. of thing. It pulls on your heartstrings. All right. Uh, not a lot of alternate universe cast here. I think Aronofsky is one of those people that just kind of gets who he wants. You know. Yeah. At this point in his career, yeah, he does. The only kind of interesting casting thing I read was uh, Kristen Wiig was offered kind of late in the game, and she signed on before she knew. And she was just like Aronofsky, yes, yes. And uh, ultimately, I think was a little. Uh, surprised by what she signed on to once once she got into it you want me to do what (laughs) so film facts uh marketing for the film came under fire when a marketing agency in australia was hired to paint a mural of the poster and they covered up a 20 year old mural by a local artist in the process kind of the antithesis of this film really oh god but uh, aronofsky obviously had nothing to do with with that but came out and apologized on behalf of the agency and the agency ended up tracking down the original artist to help them restore the work. Um, let's see. The, the brothers playing Cain and Abel are Brian and Donald Gleason, real life brothers and sons mm-hmm. of Brendan Gleason. The, someone, uh, just sent, just, someone just sent me a, 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 a video, like an Instagram reel of like when Donald Gleason has to like accept a, a award for his dad, but mm-hmm. then he was also in the nominated in the same exact category. Oh, <laughs> He's like, you gave it to my dad. <laughs> and he's like, he's having to read a speech that his, that, that Brendan wrote or whatever. He's like, my dad wrote a script or a speech. He, cause he knew he was going to win. Even though he wasn't going to be here. And like, he's like, he's like, he's saying this just to make like, he's like, Oh, I know that was probably bad to say, but I just wanted to make my son feel awkward by saying it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I've never seen that one before. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, the character of mother being barefoot for the entire film was a suggestion by Jennifer Lawrence, uh, who thought that a character representing mother earth should be connected to the ground at all times. I hope she did not go barefoot in that, in any of the ending stuff. I'm sorry. I know, I know <laughs> she probably did. I mean, it was, that was fully production designed. That's not, that's not know, real glass on the ground. I know. Why well, just me all the people running around is the thing. Yeah, it's like true. going going barefoot in that. Oh man, broken I did, toes. I everywhere. did read a quote from the production designer where he was like he read the script and he came to Aronofsky and he was like, All right, so when we like break the walls down and like break out of the house for the end part and Aronofsky was like, What do you mean? We're not leaving the house. He's like you you've <laughs> got like labor camps, you've got like, War. Yeah, like a full <laughs> blown war. war. You've got SWAT teams coming in. Like we have to go outside of the house. He's like, no, this is all happening in the fourth first con- floor of this house. This is contained. Wow. Uh the original title for the film, so this this kind of ties into this whole marketing question. The original title of the film was The Sixth Day, making the biblical allegory uh much more apparent. Ooh, interesting. What's the better title to you? I, I, mother like, mother. I like mother. Okay. Okay. Mother. Exclamation point. Mother. Jeb. <laughs> uh, I just like this quote. Aronofsky once said of this film that it should be, quote, drunk as a single shot in a shot glass. Just knock it back. Interesting. Okay. Just got to You just got to sit there and take it in, which is how I feel about a lot of film. And then and, and yeah. some people don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And like I said before, Aronofsky has been very open to answering any questions about the symbolism in this film. The only thing that he has drawn the line at, he said he will never explain the yellow tonic that mother drinks. And he says that's going to be something he takes to the grave with him. That was my that was my story question. Was, <laughs> what, was, what, what is the yellow power drinks? <laughs> only story question that i had was that one okay um well well darren i guess i'll never know (laughs) yep not that Um, one yeah i I couldn't find i couldn't find any quotes from him on the frog i took the frog to be you know the 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 plagues the egyptian Mm -hmm. plagues yeah but i did read somebody online who was like yeah no because she the frog comes when she kicks the wall open and finds the remnants of the first half the first Uh house and and there's all this crude oil back there and the frog comes out of the oil which is a sign like the frog represents the dinosaurs which was the first time that god wiped the planet and the dinosaurs became oil and that's why the oil's back there i I don't know i don't know if that's i just i was like oh frogs egyptian plague yeah hey darren if you're listening we'll see what let us know you said you said you wouldn't tell us the yellow stuff if you can't tell us the yellow tell us about dinosaurs that's what i want to know so you can't no other story questions you can come up with i mean yeah I, I, reading the like power thing i, I was just reading off by and someone's like oh they they, they connect like the yellow wallpaper the uh, yeah yeah because she is she is coloring the well and she she uses powder to mix up that yellow wallpaper too because she's like mixing yeah. the paint herself with pigments yeah. i mean is it is it is it the sun hmm. like is that what it is 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 it like his sun being like it's like the earth needs the sun to the survive earth needs sun yeah that's true um is she is she yeah is she taking in like and then when the, she becomes she stops taking it when she becomes pregnant so then she has the s-o-n son and she doesn't <laughs> think she needs the s-u-n son anymore well we'll have to dive in here well, yeah let's dive in here darren tell us if we're right if we if we got it right you can tell us <laughs> we just won't we just won't say we got it right anywhere else all right awards beatrice straight award for the actor or actress with limited scenes that kills it i feel like harrison viper count is uh supporting mm-hmm. i feel like i almost want to say donald gleason is is my beatrice straight all right i, I back or, that or it's emily hampshire uh, uh hopping up bouncing and down on, on the on, on the sink oh the what's sink. it the guy's name from um the guy's name from leftovers uh which one is he who is he? he's who the is one he? who's like he's like nice to he's, he's the one that takes the girl up to to oh, yeah, he's, he's nice her, at one point her room and then, he's, Hoven, and then he starts Ho, painting Ho, everything is it hoven a depot yeah or it's either hoven or joven adepo mm-hmm. i want to i'm not sure sure yeah from fences and leftovers yeah oh yeah he is in fences you're right you're right that was that same year wasn't it 2017 a year before 2016 mm. yeah he did yeah fences mother overlord 2018 that that jj or that jay oh, produced yeah. that everyone thought was going to be cloverfield prequel and then it wasn't you know what I'm talking about the nazi zombies one the nazi zombies one or whatever gotcha. uh yeah yeah i um i back donald gleason i think he's great in the yeah I think he's, yeah in the scenes that he's in yeah he really I mean, sells for, that like when he when he kills the brother and then it's like get up get up and yeah realizes he's dead and it just it's such a like shocking moment in general mm-hmm. it's it's like you've taken me out of the wheel and then like yeah, because up until that point, like we were talking about with the cigarettes, that's been like the most horrifying thing in the movie is, is yeah. just that this guy's smoking in the house, and then all of a sudden yeah. she's got blood on the carpet to deal yeah, with. Yeah, like, you don't like all of a sudden you don't want like your house guests to like bring people like, like have a commit a murder in your house. Mm-hmm. Like 
That's 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 it's not great. good for the that's not good for the Airbnb reviews. Is yeah, the you have to you yeah. have to when you when you try and sell it, you have to tell them legally. Yeah. You have to to say tell if them, there's someone, someone died murdered in yeah. this house. Yeah, man, that 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 yeah you know, that that real estate market in that that area is probably so difficult with all those murders going on. <laughs> it's, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. They, they never really loved me. They always loved him more. They were leaving me behind. Tell me you understand. Tell me you understand. Do you understand? Why did you come to your brother? What did you do? What did you do? You did this. So Annie Potts X Factor Award for supporting actor actress that is most memorable. Do do we count Bardem as supporting? I count Bardem as supporting. Yeah, I think I think lawrence is so much the lead in this that i think anybody else is just kind of supporting so i'll 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 put this to you i think it's bardem or pfeiffer i think it's pfeiffer okay i think i think bardem's great but i would give it to pfeiffer because she's with what little screen time she has she is so memorable in this she's so frustrating (laughs) in the way that she (laughs) she's just so like contemptuous and it's yeah she she in your business she brings every note through in this in this performance okay uh, yeah, I'll 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 side with Michelle Pfeiffer. I agree with you. Oh, on that. one one trivia thing I forgot. One symbolism I read that I did not pick up on at all. So after so they break it right. They break into the forbidden. Yeah. They, they break the forbidden fruit. Yeah. They immediately go down and she like walks in on them having sex. Right. Yeah. And then she like comes back and knocks on the door. Pfeiffer's got on a like a, like leaf print bra when she opens the door yeah. so it's you know the symbolism of like when adam and eve ate the forbidden fruit they discovered yeah, yeah, yeah. their nakedness and and wore the leaves yeah it's all there oh man. wow it's all there it's, it's all there believe me when they get older you gotta keep it interesting he's not that old how's it going in that department i don't I'm just trying to help. I mean, look at you. If he's not all over you, it's either because of his age or... Or what? You know what? Forget it. It's none of my business. I think this has gone to my head. No, it's okay. So you're no, seriously. No, obviously, he still loves you. Okay. Gene Hackman MVP award. It's between two people, mm. and and that's Aronofsky and Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It is Aronofsky's world, but I almost want to say Jennifer Lawrence here. I, I think it's Jennifer. I think she literally yeah. carries this movie. She I agree. is in every shot of this film, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, like we said, no matter what interpretation you have of the allegory, the emotion is what comes through in this and i that that would not the the allegory is him i yeah. think the emotion is is her because i'm thinking like at this period i mean it's only five years ago but like, like who else do you put in this role that i think really captures that like there's a reason Lawrence is as good as she is like mm-hmm. there's a reason why she got i i, I was was arguable now like why she was so beloved in in the time of like by critics and audience alike when she was in that peak she is fantastic in this movie yeah it's beautiful why are you crying it's just a lot 
You think it's good? It's perfect. <laughs> but then, what's going on? Am I going to lose you? Never. So, final questions. Okay. I picked the like the seventies, like sixty seventies, because the movie this reminds me the most of is Robert Altman's Images, um, which is kind of like a the, the housewife alone at home kind of cracking up. I haven't seen Images. I know of it, and uh, it's funny you say that. Um, All right, so, so that's 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 what I picked. So who who's in here? Well, it's funny you said here? Altman. I'll say who's okay. my pick. So I, I have I have uh, the sons, woman, man, mother, and him. Okay, those are the. So who do you want for? I have. Let me tell you the sons first. Sure. It's funny to me. Ron Howard and Clint Howard. <laughs> wow. Who, who <laughs> does Clint murder Ron or does does Ron? Murder I think Clint? Ron murders Clint. I okay. think Ron murders Clint. Be very <laughs> interested to see Ron Howard's "I Just Murdered My Brother" performance. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that from him. Not oh, that man. I don't think he could do it, but I just think it'd be great. I'm sorry. I could, I could almost see Clint delivering that dialogue more, but but I'd, I'd like to see you, Ron. You can switch it up. You can switch it up because I mean, Ron could be the perfect son, and Clint's. The, I was about to let's say, go yeah, that. I think let's Ron's go that way. Let, yeah, let's do yeah. Let's do Ron's the, perfect the, the son. The dynamic between Cain and Abel. No offense to Clint, but I, I you know, Clint's Ron's, more Cain. Ron's the 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 handsome looking uh, yeah. the TV star, <laughs> and Clint's always kind of been the goofy black sheep. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with that. Um, you want man or woman first? Uh, let's do, we're we're doing it in backwards order of appearance. So let's do woman. Lauren Bacall. Ooh, I like that a lot. That's my only pick for for woman. I was like, who's, who's going to fit this? That that lines up with kind of, she's got the same kind of vibes as Pfeiffer at that time. Yeah. I think Lauren Bacall. I think Lauren Bacall. I think, I think Lauren, I mean, it's like, it's, it's interesting kind of picking people who are like, who's this person of this era. Mm Mm-hmm. And like I think we talked about this at one point. Was it Batman Returns? We're doing nineteen forties. I think we said Lauren Bacall mm-hmm. for Catwoman at one point. So I think Lauren Lauren Bacall is kind of the good comparison for Pfeiffer. I think in a lot mm-hmm. of things. It's Lauren Bacall. Okay, man, I have like three picks. They're kind of all over the place here. Okay, Ben Gazzara. Okay, I like that. I'm always down for Ben Gazzara and something. <laughs> this one's this was made the weirdest pick. Peter Sellers. <laughs> okay uh and then robert mitchum because mitchum's still act- he's he's old he's older but he's acting yeah. i think and, he, and him bacall are in that kind of old hollywood mm-hmm. thing so that they made more age lines up a little bit more yeah i i i really like his era i think i would go i, I think i think Gazzara him too this. but yeah, yeah. He's, he's got that kind of duality of like yeah. can seem friendly but can also be really foreboding i agree completely all right um you want him him yeah Okay, I'll give you two. Two, uh, one, one. I'm more just like I don't know if I've ever named him in one of these before, but I'll say him, and that's that's Hackman, Gene Hackman. Mm. Mm-hmm. The one I think would probably do it the best out of like what we have is Nicholson. Okay, I think Jack Nicholson. Because the thing about the about him is like it's how to get that kind of calming effect or whatever that he has, the kind of more like like lover kind of nature of him but then you also have to have that anger come out at some point and i think nicholson could do both at this period okay i i so i had a couple of these so okay. I'll, I'll throw you one more out that i had uh yeah. sutherland i thought about sutherland too and i like sutherland too i think when, when sutherland has that like sometimes 
when he like goes like he has this mode of like when he's kind of low and calm and trying to calm you down and it does feel very manipulative yeah sometimes, that's you know? who do you, who do you see as the the poet more is the thing i think yeah. i would say sutherland is more the poet mm-hmm. i'll go sutherland okay uh you want my next one you want mm-hmm. mother um okay we'll go i guess easiest to um yeah we'll go the the more uh typical ones meryl streep is maybe the most typical one to yeah. do here because you're gonna like who's the comparison of jennifer lawrence in the 70s yeah it's probably streep um coming off like deer hunter and kramer versus kramer and manhattan and those movies another one i would i would consider an it kind of an it woman at the time is jane fonda coming mm-hmm. off a of clute clute or something uh i'll throw in i'll just say it here like mia farrow is always possible mia farrow is always a possibility because yeah. of rosemary's baby connection there's always mm-hmm. that my last pick i'll give this this is i shout out to my friend logan who suggested her and i was like this might be the better better pick shy duval okay yeah i i honestly I'd, I'd be very i think i'd i think duval is is the safe choice i think she yeah. obviously would do that I think Fonda would be really interesting, especially kind of given her political activism at the time to be in kind of this like it would environmental allegory. Yeah. 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 It would make sense. Lines. Yeah. Politically it lines up well with Jane Fonda. That's a good <laughs> point. And, and also like, it's like Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland are like, it's the, it's the couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think Fonda is good. Fonda, Fonda, Sutherland, Ben Gazzara, Lauren Bacall, and Clinton Ron Howard. <laughs> Love it. Great. What a cat. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Ben Gazzara and Lauren Bacall gave us Clinton Ron Howard in this, yep. <laughs> in this world. Um, all right. So last questions. Uh, does this fit within any other genres? Thriller. Mm-hmm. You could say. Psychological um, horror. Psychological horror is, is, is probably, psychological horror is probably the best one to say. I don't know. I mean, religious movie. I don't know if you saw, but I made a letterbox list called Christianity versus the Environment, and it was this movie and First oh, Reformed. You did? <laughs> this movie and First Reformed. Let me find that. Is it just those two movies? Yeah, it's just those two. That's all I could think. That of. that that's how you blow up on Letterbox, Thomas. Is but it that is kind of interesting right that those came yeah. out because I think First Reformed was 2018, right? And and it is kind of interesting that these two very distinctive yeah. filmmakers. No, were both same kind year. Of, Oh. same 2017 these two distinctive filmmakers are both kind of like wait a second how do we yeah. justify destroying god's planet yeah no see first and my it might come out in 2017 and yeah it premiered in 20 wow wow it premiered at venice same oh, really? year wow ultimately i do think first reform handles it a little bit better but yeah, yeah. I, i'm also I, I love that movie so yeah and that came out in may 2018 but wow same man what a, what a weird year to be at venice that year <laughs> what else is what a weird year to have flown your private jet out to the venice film festival and watch those two movies and be like "Ooh, maybe i should maybe i shouldn't fly back (laughs) you guys want to split a jet back the other movies that year uh shape of water Mm -hmm. downsizing was that year sorry i've never seen downsizing that was a very Uh, visceral reaction but yeah suburbicon was that year at venice uh not a uh, a great damon year yeah, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri is also that year. Okay. Oh, Brawl and Cell Block 99 was out of competition. Oh. What an interesting year. Yeah, that was, that was a wild year. That was, that was my 2017 into 2018 was my, my year of movie pass. So I saw almost all of those. 
Man, yeah. I, I was just reading. It was an article about Mission the Mission Impossible coming out, and I was just like, oh, man. They are like, yeah, everyone was so surprised how big Mission Impossible was. I was like, this this uh, fallout. The and I was death, like, yeah, the death it of killed Movie Pass. Uh, okay. All right, Let's so last question. How does this fit in within the contained drama genre? Well, contained genre. I mean, you definitely have the paranoia aspect of just like it just being building and building and building. Mm-hmm. um of you being in this place and and this and this point it's like it's not the people i mean it's like the people you're stuck with in the place but essentially because they, they just keep coming and coming and coming basically it's just like the yeah. things keep coming into your world um you have that aspect and you have the idea like she can't really leave the home just because of where she's at and it's also it's her it's her thing it's her world she mm-hmm. doesn't want to leave. She wants everyone else to leave. It's exactly. Like, yeah. She's, she's worked really hard on home. this house. She is not going to leave it to just be like destroyed yeah, by these destroyed. people. No, she, I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight for my home kind of thing. Um, is it a home invasion movie? We should have <laughs> said think that. So. It could be a home invasion movie. Um, yeah, I think so. It has that paranoid aspect. It has that not being able to leave aspect of it. Um, yeah. Is there anything? Is there anything else I'm missing here? No, I, I think, and, and, you know, we talked about the technical standpoint, obviously a lot yeah. of blocking went into this, but I do think this is one, like we said, all the ones who do it well, find a way to make it visually interesting. And I think this, and I, make it I not think, feel like it's just one room, one place. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think, like we said, this is kind of the third time that Aronofsky and Libatik have used this kind of following Steadicam, uh, mm-hmm. technique, but I think it works best here, honestly, yeah. out of the three, I, 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 I like it. I don't. I don't dislike any of the other ones, and I do think it kind of yeah. accomplishes its goals. But I think with this one, especially having it so focused on her and so yeah. focused on the singular location, you always just kind of feel like you're just walking through this house with her. Yeah, and I don't think Levitic even shot wrestler, so that's very much a Darren Aronofsky thing. Mm-hmm. Is is I think what it is. Um, he likes that, but Levitic does it in his move and his things he shoots as well. Um, so yeah, I think it it does all that. Well, all three of the main main things we're looking at. Awesome. Well, thanks for revisiting this one. I'm glad. Oh, I'm yeah. glad I came yeah. back to it. It's it was definitely a different experience. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a fun movie, um, but it it is it is an experience watching this film. Definitely. Uh, no matter what you feel about it, I, I think everyone can agree it doesn't deserve an F on Cinema Score. But no, it doesn't. It, it was and I liked it. It was the first one that got an F in like five years or something. Um it's horror fans are odd man it's like i think that's what it was like they might because like every move i'm assuming find it but it's like a lot of movies uh that had it are like mostly all horror films mm-hmm. um i know what doesn't deserve a f on cinema score is uh telling them softly that's oh, a no. bunch of that's a bunch of bs Andrew dominic i love that one yeah um yeah that's the big one and the other ones are like the box I mean, disaster movie, sure, that deserves it. Um, <laughs> one, one that's interesting, I think now it's getting kind of a, a uh, reevaluation is in the cut. Jane Campion's in the mm-hmm. cut as yeah. F on Cinema Score. And I think now it's becoming more of a like, oh, we misunderstood yeah. this I think, movie. I think, is. Uh, and I think that in the cut and uh, Killing Them Softly are, are films that were kind of mismarketed as well. I know I agree, Killing Them yeah. Softly was kind of marketed as this action movie. Um, yeah and and i i I distinctly remember talking to someone because i was in college and they were just like it was so boring there wasn't any action like it's like i was thought it was gonna be like a tarantino movie is what i think some people said mm-hmm. and i was just like and i watched i was like oh yeah this is not a tarantino movie yeah. <laughs> it was very much an andrew dominic movie 
Um, all right. Well, that's that's it on Mother. So next week, uh, David Glenn the Fourth is returning to talk about, or David, David's returning to talk about Clerks, Kevin Smith's Clerks. Uh, it'll be interesting time revisiting Kevin Smith's Clerks. Mm-hmm. But that's all we have for you in this episode. If you're a fan of the show or a new listener, make sure you subscribe to the Nation Podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you write us a review on whatever platform you listen to the show on. Listen, you know, we recognize when you put us on in your car, you put us on the speaker at home to listen to the podcast, we become guests of your home. <laughs> we like to think we've been good guests. We've given you some some movie facts. We've had a discussion about a film. We haven't sat on that yeah. sink because we know it's not braced yet. So yeah. just just let, let other people know that we're good guests. You know, leave yeah. us leave us a good review and just let us know what a pleasant experience it was. We we want to we want we want to keep being invited back. That's the thing. Yeah. We want to keep being invited back because you enjoy having us so much. So please go tell people if you like us. Uh, and finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that jazz. Uh, as always, Thomas, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. Hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.